Hello and welcome back to the In Around Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Will Hunt, and joining me this week is Dave Harris. Hi, Will. And Michael Mikey Breslin. <laughs> Hello. Um uh shit. <laughs> uh, okay. Um you this is um this podcast is <laughs> it, it's it's going to be about the European Super League. Um, we're going to try our best to actually talk about the proposals, but but before we before we get to, before we talk about the proposals, <laughs> me and we're going to just sort of try and get our obvious biases out of the way. And I think we're going to I think what we're going to start is and usually I wouldn't want to speak for the other two, but We've talked enough about this all day. I think all three of us have been absolutely seething all day. And yeah. Um, so regardless of what you hear on this podcast, even if we try and play devil's advocate about the proposals and where there could possibly be some benefits, just know that our our fundamental belief as football fans is that this is just an absolutely abhorrent move, um, and is represents a betrayal, and. I just think that we are gonna we are gonna not this isn't gonna be just a just an, <laughs> a eulogy as me and Mike were laughing about earlier that we said oh God, it's like a funeral in it. Um, but before we do start, I, I think the fact that me and Mike are two fans of the clubs that are involved in the proposal, which if you don't know the proposal, you can go and see the statement on any of the. 12 clubs websites, I, select one, I suggest you go to one of the English ones, try ChelseaFC.com because that's all about their good for at the moment. Um, you can read the statement there for what they want to do. Essentially, they want to create a midweek um, competition that replaces the Champions League, then you can't be relegated from if you're a founding club, etc, etc. We'll come on to proposals in more in a bit. But just to start with our, our base feelings about this, I mean... I think I heard at three o'clock on Sunday, we're recording on Monday. And ever since then, I've just, I've sort of done the gauntlet. Um, absolutely disgusted. Ashamed. And I think at this point, I was just moving on to the next stage of grief. <laughs> <laughs> but I did want to, I did want to just say two things. Like, I think there's very few times that, I've been absolutely like diabolically ashamed of Chelsea Football Club. And the first two are two incidents where I was absolutely way more, even more ashamed than I am now. And that is when they didn't let, when the fans didn't let black man on the train in Paris. And the second is when mm. Sterling was abused inside the ground. And I was ashamed of them. And I thought that doesn't represent the, the people that I know and I've met at the ground. That was really offensive. On the actual club side, um, it's a bit less common, uh, Project Big Picture being mentioned earlier this season annoyed me. I was utterly ashamed of the way we threw away Frank Lampard's legacy at the club earlier this season, but I don't think I've ever felt just a sheer absolute disgust at my football club as I felt today. Um, they're abhorrent what they've done today, and the, the fact that they want to, the fact that they want to be part of this elite is disgusting. And I don't know a single Chelsea fan who is in favour of this, a single real Chelsea fan who is in favour of this. And I do think it's worth mentioning that I would say the best moment of my life for supporting a football club 
was was May the 19th, 2012. Oh, it's May the 19th. I always get it wrong. I always want to say May the 11th because it's my mum's birthday. May 19th, 2012, beat Bayern Munich in Bayern Munich. Sorry, in Munich, in Bayern Munich. In Munich <laughs> to win the Champions League. And it was made sweeter because of competition. It was made sweeter because ever since we'd gone into the Champions League, we had to fight and we had to struggle and we we lost to a ghost goal. We lost because John Terry slipped in the rain. We lost because of Andre, Andres Iniesta's last minute thing. We lost and we lost and we lost and we lost. And that spine of players who actually represented what the club was about, not what these greedy bastards think they represent what the club is about. A spine of players that never give, never give an attitude. They carried on and because they couldn't win every year because they didn't because they were faced with not being in it every year it meant more and when they finally broke through it was it was it was magical and it is a moment that if this super league goes ahead with you will never see again and it isn't to even think about losing football the way it is for the sake of billions is disgusting and it is absolutely abhorrent and you 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 say to me now that you can take away all the all the stuff that Roman Abramovich has given the club and he's taken the club to places they would never have got to without him. They'd never have won the Champions League without him. They'd never have won the Premier League without him. You go on the terraces today and you ask the real honest Chelsea fans what they think. They'll tell him to fuck off immediately. And I wanted to get that out of the way because we are going to try and have this be a proper podcast, but I'm furious and I know Mike's furious. So Mike... Glaze has taken a lot of flack today because obviously Woodward seems to have been at the, the heart of one of the snakes here. So I'm assuming you feel like I do, but I think it's only fair that I open the podcast with my just distaste that you get a chance to, to really say what you think about United. Yeah, I mean, I'd absolutely back up everything that you just said. I thought that was that was brilliant, to be honest. Um, it's it's a total betrayal of... of um, Football fans, essentially, we, obviously we've seen that all around the news today. Everyone's condemning it. And as a United fan, the fact that the Glazers and Ed Woodward, um, who I believe worked for JP Morgan <clears throat> before he came to United, um, are at the forefront of this. One of the Glazers is obviously quoted in the statement. Um, it's sickening. It's, it's horrible. Uh, I've gone from rage to just feeling totally down about it um i think it, it, i've spent most of the day thinking about whether i want to be a fan of <clears throat> of man united anymore given that they'll just throw they'll just throw you away for a couple of quid well a, more than a couple of quid obviously but <laughs> the couple. um the fact that they trade in the history the the people that have been going to the ground for years and years and they use the covid um as a window to an opportunity essentially while no one's in the ground to protest to make this move um it's just shocking isn't it it's horrendous uh i hate it it i don't feel good about <clears throat> united and i don't particularly want to be associated with a club that will just throw you off for some money at their first opportunity that's it's pretty much how I'm feeling at the moment. Shameful, isn't it? Absolutely shameful. Yeah. Dave, um, obviously you are... <laughs> we use we always take the mick out of you, Dave, because 
we if we sat here we talked i remember doing a podcast where we talked about the transfers that almost came off oh um, god and I remember what was it we were all talking about. And Dave was over there with Sido Berahino and me and Mark were talking about Danny yeah. Alves. And we always were like, well, you know, one of these days it'll come back and bite us and you'll feel better. But I mean, I'm not saying you feel good, but I don't feel good. But <laughs> you could probably feel worse is what I'm trying to say. But what was your instant reaction to it, I guess? Well, yeah, I'm like you guys, obviously, maybe less of a personal thing because it's not my club, but I'm I'm just ashamed by it, really. I can't believe they think that this could be a good idea. I think it's been clear for ages the gap between those teams and everyone else has been growing and growing, and then even the gap between the Premier League and the Championship, which obviously I take notice of being a Blues fan. And they're just looking to somehow make that even bigger. Um, and I think the way they've gone about it, like Mike says, about basically trading in their legacies, all of their achievements, all of the people that have built them up to be what they are today, seems they're willing to throw that all away. Generations of supporters and players uh, just for some extra money. It's wild. I, I, I'm sort of in shock, really, to be honest, that there's even been like official announcements yeah i suppose that was the, the so the rage was there as you can you can see that we it's well known on this podcast that mike does most of our tweeting but if you go and look from about three o'clock you can see the the ramblings of a madman uh which is when i saw the news and i was trying to think of as many different ways as possible to basically do a stream of consciousness calling them greedy bastards um it was very good actually it, it was very good it wasn't but there we are um I, at this point, it's worth mentioning that if you don't know, there are 12, the principles of the league is that there are 15 founding clubs and and there will be a qualifying mechanism for a further 16, further five teams to qualify annually based on achievements in the prior season. No one knows what that is. No one knows at all what no. that is because the plans have not really been fought out. Um, <laughs> which, as far as I can tell. Um, starts in August though. So starts in August. Without. Starts in August though. The idea is that the twelve, the fifteen founding clubs, um, the twelve announced and three who I would imagine have slinked off now, um, cannot be relegated. They have, they will be invited to play every year, irrespective of where they finish on the league position. And until they announce, ladies and gentlemen, what that actually means, it means that. Leeds, for example, could finish third in the Premier League and say Fulham finish second ahead of them. Um, Fulham might get in, but Leeds might not get into this midweek competition. That's what it could mean. Um, mm-hmm. You lose all the, you would lose all the elements of competition that it's based on. But how it would work is it's midweek fixtures with all the participating clubs continuing to compete in their respective national leagues, which was preserving the traditional domestic match calendar, which remains at the heart of the club game. I'm actually reading from the, the statement. I'm actually yeah, reading the statement. That's exactly word, what it says. Read the statement word for word, word. for word because I want you to know that they had the cheek to put heart. Yeah. In the statement, 
So an August start with clubs participating in two groups of 10, playing home and away fixtures with the top three in each group automatically qualifying for the quarterfinals. Teams finishing fourth and fifth will then complete, complete, compete in a two-legged playoff for the remaining quarterfinal positions. A two-legged two-leg knockout format will be used to reach the final at the end of May, which will then be staged as a single feature as a neutral venue. Does that sound similar? Because it is essentially the Nations League. It's essentially yeah. the Nations League with more money attached. And as everyone knows, the Nations League has been a massive success for all involved and everybody is really excited by it. <laughs> so, essentially, lads, what this is going to mean is that we're going to have PSG... Not PSG, God. God, look, as well, soon as... Head... PSG could be in there, but they're not at the moment. <laughs> Do you see how my head went to grab a bad football club? Yeah, and they're and actually not even... one of them. Couldn't even find one of the 12. So the 12 who have actually signed up, we should say, AC Milan, Inter Milan, um, Juventus, Arsenal, Liverpool, Man City, Man United, Chelsea. Have I said Spurs? I haven't said Spurs. Barcelona, Atletico Madrid and Real Madrid. The Don Daddy. So my first question to the two of you is, let's try and keep to the proposers themselves. Yeah. Please allow for any sarcastic comments you'd like in the middle of it. Oh, there's going to be some. How soon until the idea of Real Madrid playing uh, Spurs, the novelty of that wears off? Quite soon, <laughs> I would think. The, I mean, the whole reason it's special, those fixtures are special, is because they don't happen very often. And they happen in usually in the Champions League where it matters the most. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, I agree. We're just going to chuck that all away. Just chuck it away, and now we're going to play them twice a year for the rest of time. No one's going to care after like one season, if that. You've already pissed off half the fans who, who aren't interested in at all, and then the rest of the, t- the the rest of the fans that do stay will be bored of watching Chelsea Barcelona after two fixtures on it. Mm-hmm. My my thing with this is it's like. Will says with the Nations League who cares it's a competition that has no history no integrity it's certainly no integrity if there's going to be clubs that can't be relegated they're not even there on merit really um, whereas Champions League if you know if Tottenham and Real Madrid are playing they're there because chances are they've well yeah even in, if they're facing in the group stage they're, they're already there on merit they've already achieved something in the last season that's how they're even in the group stage. I, I can see it if it if it goes ahead, basically being like a glorified friendly tournament. Yeah. Like what the integrity Yeah, like Mike says, who cares about them playing twice every flipping year for the rest of the time? The because the magic of those fixtures is gone. There's they're not there for merit, they're there because they have a set fixture list. That's the fun of the Champions League. In the group stage, you don't know who's who's going to end up playing who. Yeah, yeah. I was I was absolutely a few weeks when we drew uh, when we beat Porto a few weeks ago. Um, sorry, when Chelsea beat Porto a few weeks ago to be um, to basically end up going to be playing against Real Madrid. I was so excited because ignore the obviously the the storylines with Hazard and Courtois and players obviously he formed those attachments to. We and the Chelsea hadn't played Real Madrid certainly not in my lifetime as a conscious football fan in a, in a tournament that mattered. Like playing a cup winners cup, I want to say in 98 was the last time we've played them. We've never played in the champions league. It was special. It was like, it was like, yeah, 
are they a great draw for Chelsea? No, they weren't a great draw for Chelsea. That midfield probably gonna, probably could run rings around Chelsea's midfield. Did I care? Not really. Like because it was a chance to see, is a chance to go up against one of the club's best, because and but also at the same time, a club that we never play. We never play them, and that's what made it so special to me. And I don't know about to you. I I love, even though they are well, I don't love the draw, the Champions League draws. I love finding out who we've got in the Champions League. I love it in the FA Cup too. I love knowing who we've got. I think you think it's so exciting when you get those po- moments when they're like, well, this is the map for the final. These are who you've got to be. And you're going, oh, who's on the good side of the draw? I love that shit. That is stuff I've always loved. Mm-hmm. And to take that away just because none of it really matters and that you're just going to play these teams over and over again, it's just a bit boring, isn't it? Agreed. Yeah, yeah I agree. These people are already in our league. We already play them twice a year and that's who we're going to get drawn against again to play two more games in the in the yeah. quarters and the semis. Come no on. one no one wants to play Tottenham twice a year. Come well, I w- <laughs> exactly. Come I wouldn't worry about them getting through to the quarters. <laughs> um, so, assuming that this all works, this is, I say, I'm about to say works out, um, assuming this goes ahead and it replaces the Champions League as we know it, um, how concerned are you like because that's going to even new wafers new proposals add a ton of which they've by the way they've slightly announced today interesting um <laughs> yeah i wonder why they announced this yesterday yeah i wonder why wonder why um but even even with that said that adds a ton of like workload to and we've on this podcast we've talked about a lot about our concerns about the amount of sheer amount of games that these players are asked to play mike are you concerned that adding yet even more would have a detrimental effect on, firstly, the quality of play we see in the league? Yeah, I think so. I think um, a lot of people have been saying today that the, they would expect the teams to play their full team in the midweek Super League competition. And if they're still, by the time everything launches, still in the Premier League or La Liga or whatever... Then they'd just again. Then they'd be going to Fulham away with their 23s or a, a total B team to rest their players because they because the Super League's where the big money is. That's where they want to put their best team. Honestly, that's what that's what their people are expecting them to do. And if that's the case, <laughs> oh my! I mean, seriously, why are they allowed to do both? They're not. Why? Why do they think they can? go off gallivanting in this Super League thing and then oh, we'll just pop back home on the weekend and still play in the Premier League that we don't actually care about with our second string what an absolute joke I've forgotten what the question was, sorry but because I was looking up the UEFA coefficients and do you want to know where Inter and AC Milan are? They've oh, lost into this founder member. It'd be very bias. low because they've been shocking for the best part of 10 years. <laughs> AC Milan are 53rd, which ranks them below Rangers. Yeah. Uh, and Inter Milan are 26th below Bayer Leverkusen, Benfica and Villarreal. I mean, mm. seriously, these are the founder members here because, because they've got history. History in what, you might ask? The Champions League. Not this Super League thing. The Champions League, the thing you're getting rid of. Morons. There you go. 
carry on. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks for responding to concerns over player fitness. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll touch on player fitness. That's all right. Um, with player fitness, like they've already been playing like a crazy amount of games. Obviously, this climate means that they're playing more than ever before. If they're traveling week in week out, it's surely they're going to get burnt out. Like Champions League, European football, anyway, is already demanding. But at least it's not every single week. Um, yeah, and like Mike says, they're surely going to put out their strongest team in this. And if any of them try and fight battles on both fronts and take the league seriously, surely the players are going to. They won't have much of a first team squad left halfway through the season. I would have thought. Yeah. To be perfectly honest. Yeah, I mean, looking at it from a player's perspective, Brez. Um, if you were in one of those dressing rooms this morning, you hadn't been told and this comes over the wire, How? what would your reaction be, do you reckon? Well, I think the first thing would be I, I would be furious, partly because I hadn't been told. Yeah, You'd, you'd think you would be one of the first people that you, they'd like to tell, given yeah. Chance, <laughs> yeah, you yeah. want the players on board. Yeah, um, just just quickly on that, because that's, that's one of the bits I... So you clearly haven't told Typically, when you do, when you're about to announce some news, you tell an organized, you tell that many people in an organization, it's going to get leaked. It's going to get leaked, which is probably why they didn't do it. But my argument would be, this is going to get leaked regardless. There's too many people involved. And whenever you're going to communicate something with someone, you have to make sure your most important stakeholders know first. So if 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 you work in government, for example, that's you tell you make sure that your elected members know first, and that is exactly what these football clubs you would have expected them to do they would have made sure that their players know first they would have made sure that their managers know first but in reality what's happened is the board in all the cases the board seems to have known and obviously the whatever structure they have in terms of a PR company or a corporate communications team seems to know as well as you would expect because without those people who've been the ones taking all your pelting on social media these fuckers wouldn't be able to do anything so that's just interestingly enough for me that they haven't told the players and that it just seems to fly in the face of everything you would do if you were going about this in a normal way. But anyway, I've dived in. Sorry, Mike. <laughs> no, that's fine. Agreed. I think they would be or should be one of the first people you should tell. Um, I think as far as competition goes, I think the Champions League's always been the one. Some some players even rank it above the World Cup, I think, now to win it. Yeah. Uh, there are obviously appear to be just chucking that away for this new thing what does that mean for the players it's quite hard to say I, I can't say. um but i mean a lot of players want to test themselves against the best and if they can yeah. do that week in week out maybe it's not a, maybe some of them actually think oh this is all right let's make even more money so i mean the rich getting richer is the whole point of this but the yeah. players are already well reimbursed. I yeah. imagine that would further as the yeah. money goes up here. It depends what motivates you. If you're going to be banned from the World Cup, which who knows what will happen there, but you're going to make an extra I don't million, know, million a week, grand a week or whatever, yeah, a million a week, then you're probably not that bothered. It, it kind of depends on the players, I think. But for me, I'd be really pissed off about it, obviously, because my what I think of the whole thing, but I'm sure there's players out there who aren't 
too upset about it. Yeah. Um, uh, Dave, I, I obviously, Mike's alluded to there, the, them getting potentially kicked out of international competitions, not allowed to play. Mm-hmm. Um, players obviously value international football so much. But in your humble opinion, I've seen a lot of people suggesting that the players will simply walk out. Um, yeah. But if we're talking about the levels of money in these clubs that we are yeah. talking about, um, do you can you really see any players realistically? Can you see players walking out and, no. and not signing for these clubs? No. 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 I also can't see any sort of player revolt just for the fact that when there's any sort of player revolt, eventually, however strong they seem, the people that were really behind it always get ratted out, um, and you know they could just. Yeah, at the end of the day, it doesn't even matter for it's one of their key key players. They could just basically isolate them to the point that they want to leave or sell them, whatever. Mm. Um, And to be honest, with the amount of money involved that they'd be getting from the Super League, maybe they could use a chunk of it to just release a player from his contract. To be Mm. perfectly honest. That that might be what Spurs have done uh, this afternoon. Uh, Who they got rid of? Who they got rid of? Well, Mourinho. Mourinho, didn't they? No, they got rid of him because he's shit. Right. Yeah. yeah. Let's get something straight. Yeah, I don't think it's anything to do with the Super way, League. So now they're like, well, 30 million doesn't hurt as much, does it now? Yeah, that's a good point. But uh, uh, the the absolutely hilarious. There was something really funny about Joseph Mourinho allegedly being the, the harbinger of like morality. Yeah. Yeah, it's cracking up too. I was like, right. I was like, do you know what goes into sacking something or announcing the sacking? The statements that have to be repaired and all this. There's no way they do it after he's refused to take training at ten o'clock. But anyway, it was a good. It was. It was. It was a bright twenty minutes and an otherwise miserable day. I'm looking forward to Jose on being sports saying that's exactly what happened. Wouldn't, <laughs> yeah. it, be, wouldn't it be great? Him and, and then Richard I... Keys sat out there and wherever they. Okay. Yeah, and then don't forget Arsene Wenger saying that Tottenham tried to get him in to manage them in the Super League, but he turned it down. <laughs> and then, and then I'd, I'd like, and then I, what I'd like to see is Mourinho do, on there doing all this moralising, and then Arsenal sack Arteta within two games into the Super League, and Jose turns up on the side and he's like, "I am the Super One" or something. Like that. <laughs> <laughs> just, just see it coming, guys. Um, I suppose though, and I want to preface this by saying that. We should absolutely have no expectation of managers and players coming out in yeah, coming agree. out coming out against their clubs because at the end of the day, although we are all furious about this, and I've no doubt that those players who love the sport will be furious about this too. But at the end of the day, they're employees that are making money for their family and also living their dream and they shouldn't be forced or expected to compromise that. That being said oh. I wouldn't be surprised if we did see a few people because... I will also say quickly on that one, well, most people in any job aren't going to put anything on social media about their own boss. Like, I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't put anything about my job because I could get sacked. I wouldn't expect footballers or managers to do it when they have literally hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people following them. Uh, You just can't expect them to do anything. No, but that being said... And it's not their fault. It's not their fault. No. That being said, after prefacing that, but there should be no expectation. We asked, we do, we have seen over the last year, particularly with some of, particularly when some of the bigger clubs um, tried to put people on furlough, for example. We yeah. saw, like, we saw players coming out and saying, "Look, this is, 
this is this affects this effect not just a not just as like when you talk about like i'm talking more the collectives true like, like the liverpool players the uh, who came together under jordan henderson they've come out and they've said things and we've seen a growing social conscience amongst players for example take a look at um, the work that Juan Mata does with Common Goal in terms of redistributing salaries, not at a massive level, but um, and for example, Nor- the Norwegian, Norwegian, I want to call him Nor- the Norwegian national team. Yeah, that's oh, right. In my head, I had Norwegian. Christ. <laughs> but um, they came out particularly against the the World Cup in Qatar, and Fernandez yeah. on this particular issue, Fernandez has spoken out. I guess what I want to ask is, would you be surprised? to see levels of player how was the word for it would you be surprised to see the players come out against this as they did before with the furlough scheme right what i would expect is not necessarily to hear of direct like for example i wouldn't expect to see marcus rashford tweet like Oh, I don't agree with the Super League, whatever. Just I'll let Marcus Rashford play football, people, what, please. He's done too what, much already. Yeah, I know, I know. It's just an example. But what I would expect is to hear about, I know, like players of Man City or whatever asking to speak to their board or asking for it to be a proper meeting about it. I think if they feel strongly against it, um, they're probably aware that, you know, they probably need to have a meeting with the chairman and just voice their concerns in that way. Um, Cause if they go about it and speaking about them instead of to them, it's probably going to work against them in the end. They, I think uh, a lot of the players came, as Will was saying, came together during the COVID thing. Uh, I think Henderson was leading. It was like a league wide thing where they all, yeah, it was. yes. Yeah, it was some money together. Was it for the NHS or something? Yeah. I think you could see a similar sort of thing where players who are on the same page across clubs even uh, yeah. maybe started talking about it or released an open statement or, like you say, go to their respective chairmans or whatever. Because if, if you're not happy about it, and I'm sure there is plenty of players and staff, etc. around who aren't, you, you, there's much more strength in numbers, isn't there? <laughs> yeah, I agree. You've got a much more... Yeah, have a chance of making a difference if there's more of you. Yeah, I, I, and that's more to see one coming out on his on his own on a limb, basically. Yeah. Yeah. In the in the absolute, um, I feel so sorry for so many people today. But some of the people I do feel sorry for are the players of those clubs Mm -hmm. and are the managers of those clubs who will be, who you've already seen with Tuchel and Klopp have been sent out to do their normal stuff in front of the press and they're the only ones that the press and us by um, proxy get get access to rather and rather than these nameless well they've got names but these faceless faceless people, owners faceless owners who sit sit up in the gantries and are not explaining their plans um so there we are but let's talk about the big reason for um, all of this and it is finances so mm-hmm. i'm going to read again from the statement for you The new annual tournament will provide significantly greater economic growth and support for European football via a long-term commitment to uncapped solidarity payments, which will grow in line with league revenues. These solidarity payments will be substantially higher than those generated by the current European competition and are expected to be in excess of 10 billion euros during the course of the initial commitment period of the clubs. In addition, the competition will be built on a sustainable financial foundation with all founding clubs signing up 
to a spending framework in exchange for their commitment, founding clubs will receive an amount of 3.5 billion euros solely to support their infrastructure investment plans and to offset the impact of the COVID pandemic. Klopp, as Mike Breslin writes underneath the statement, says he doesn't like the idea a couple of years ago, I believe. Tony reiterated that today that he wasn't consulted and none of them were consulted. And yeah. he, he also said that. he also said football's nothing without the fans and the players. Yeah, in his press conference, he is for all the grief we give him, seemingly a good bloke. Um, <laughs> so just talking about the sheer levels of football, um, we've already kind of talked about how this could cap people. It could basically lead to. Uh, I don't know the Chelsea Lions of London or whatever buying um, oh, Jack Grealish, buying Jack, giving Jack Grealish one million pound a week. But the idea at this point, Dave, is for these fans, these clubs, to have three and a half billion pounds, yeah, and then continue to play in their domestic leagues. Where does that sit with you? Uh, it doesn't sit well with me at all, just because. Like I was saying when you asked me what I thought about it, there's already a big gap between these teams and the rest of the league for the most part. I mean, you've got your teams like Leicester, for example, West Ham, uh, Everton. You know they have a bit bit more money compared to most teams in the league, but I still wouldn't put them in the same financial bracket of the big six existing now. If this big six get even more money, like how does anyone compete with them? And then you have the issue further that say there is a player like Jack Grealish who's fantastic for another team, you have so much money you could throw ridiculous amounts of money at a transfer fee and at his contract. Like You basically would be able to monopolise the league. Like You'd be able to offer teams money that they just can't turn down, basically. Um, yeah, yeah, you would. And there'd be no doubt about it because this is just a huge cash cow. Yeah. Um, um, it, it, Speaking of like spending, spending the money, I don't know about the two of you. I, I after after wiping the sick off my keyboard after <laughs> the uh, I was just looking through and to see how the theory would work. And one of the one of the the more interesting ideas contained in there. Not <laughs> and oddly enough, pretty not a bad idea. <laughs> was this line in this bit where it says in addition the competition will be built on a sustainable financial foundation with all founding clubs signing up to a spending framework for uh, so long we've talked about capping uh, a, sal- a, a salary cap that in this unfettered money grab bollocks is how they float it uh, i don't know yeah but yeah in- of course it is will it's a money grab they don't yeah. want to pay their players to the moon no, no, no. Come on. Come no. on. It's but the it was, whole part of the money grab. But it was it was like in the middle of it is something people have been calling for for years and they're going to do it so they can get even more money. Even more money. Exactly. Yeah. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Right. So next question about finance. One of the best of all bloody things. Fuck ne- you. <laughs> <laughs> next question about finances. Unbelievable. Are you ready? Mm-hmm. Go on. So one of the things that we've seen floated today is this idea of relegate the top six, relegate the top six, kick the top six out, get rid of them. So I want to ask you, does removing the big six break Eng- the English Football League? Because I think it does. I've, um, 
when you say relegate them, well, I've said you see, I've seen so many ideas of people going to extreme zoom, put them in the conference. Just for your view of this, when you say relegate, do you mean put them down to the championship? Are you on about expelling them out of the league entirely? To be honest, I think the same effect happens to all of them because if you were to relegate them, they would leave. Um. In my or opinion, they would, or they leverage the uh, yeah. NFL to be the new Premier League, essentially. Yeah. The Championship to be the new Premier League because they're in it. So. Yeah. 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 True. That's what probably happens. Yep. So my my question is, if you remove those six clubs, because to me, if you remove those six clubs, firstly, I've got so many problems with that for the for the fans of these clubs who've done nothing, who've done nothing to. Yeah, it's not their fault. This. Um, and yes, yes, I, I accept that some people may see that as Chelsea fan. <laughs> Chelsea fan wants to protect um, his club, but let's be honest, at the moment they're not my fucking club. Um, that being said, I think if you were to relegate them, if you were to remove those people from the TV deal, Sky, although they're doing a lot of good PR at the moment for um, against the Super League, are they're a big part of the problem anyway. Are, are, money grabbers who wanted you to pay 15 pounds for Newcastle versus Burnley in the middle of a pandemic. They're not, they're not the good guys. They're as bad as the rest of them. But so if you were to lose the, the eyes that these big six bring to the league, I, I, they, they would surely ask you to restructure the TV deal and how many clubs in the premier league are, and even the EFL are ready to scale back massively. Just quickly, lads, I've uh, just seen this. Leeds right, players yeah. in their warm-up have worn Champions League t-shirts that say earn it. In Top the warm-up against Liverpool. Top like Big it. fan of that. Big fan of that. Bielsa also said the most valuable thing is the happiness that we are able to provoke yep. in those that struggle to find happiness in other ways Let's away from football. Let's keep on the topic at hand. Okay. Let's Sorry, try. Well. Let, no, just just because of the way. Um, if we sit here and quote quotes all day, we won't get out. Yeah, of this true, 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 true. Said good stuff. Go on, on Mike. The, uh, the sky thing. Oh. BT have come out and condemned it, haven't they? BT Sport have, uh, but haven't done that themselves. I I don't know if it's right, but I believe BT said they wouldn't be interested in the rights for it. I don't know if that is exactly correct, but. Uh, so far, Sky, BBC, and Amazon have said nothing. There's bound to be a market for it. Sky will likely be involved. So yeah, it's nice they're doing all this, saying how bad it is. But you're right, Will. At the end of the day, they know it's probably going to make them some money. And the the Premier League, it, without the big six or with a, a weakened big six, is not the same product. So you you're right um, in the fact that they would go back to the clubs wanting a refund, and most clubs given COVID can't afford it they need the TV money big time mm-hmm. yep 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 so also one thing I would say with you saying it breaks the English Football League um, for example you know with the FA Cup uh, like all these little teams have the the prospect of playing a huge team that they'd never be able to play might be, you know, the first time they play them in decades or maybe the first time they ever play them. Uh, if they're not in the cup competitions, that removes that. And that's one way that a lot of 
smaller clubs actually make loads of money. They go on a bit of a cup run and they get to the third or fourth round and they draw a Chelsea or a Man United and that money keeps them afloat. If that if that goes, uh, you know, It'll like... Sort them out for a couple of years some, in some cases. Yeah, and, and that won't even be a possibility. I think I think it removes the... As much as I hate what these clubs are doing, when you look at the players and the managers, if you get rid of them, that's removing hell of a lot of quality. Like it's removing the top top tier talent. Yeah. And and like we keep saying, it's not those players' fault that they play for those teams. They're they're at those teams because they're really good at what they do, and then they could be punished for for that because of something out of their hands. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's wild, isn't it? It really is. <laughs> it's it's certainly something. Um, right, and I'm a bit. I'm, I'm slightly. Now we've talked about the proposals and we've talked about some of the impacts on players. Let's talk about perhaps the most important people this impacts. Let's talk about the fans. Um. <sighs> Complete lose-lose for fans, this, lads, isn't it? Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Fans of any club, pretty much. But let's start with like the fans of those big six clubs. If they want, yeah. to, go, if they want to go see a game, what are you anticipating in terms of like prices and stuff? It's going to be horrific, isn't it? Yeah. Sure. yeah. Surely the tickets for those games are horribly inflated. I'd imagine so. They're already pretty high if you want a season ticket. Imagine what it's going to be for your European Super League season ticket. Add on an absolute fortune. Um, and the other thing is you're now travelling twice a year to Barcelona, uh, once a year to Barcelona. You're also going to Milan and then you're going to whoever else makes it in. The amount, the Instead of going three away trips in the group stage and then your quarter semis final, you're now going, what was it, two two games against all teams, so 18 games, so nine games in the group phase, essentially, away yeah. from home, which could be anywhere in Europe. Yeah. Or, and in fact, it might just, we think it's going to be in Europe, but it might be, you know what, Man City have got their Melbourne City FC, yeah. play a couple of home games over there, because that will build up some fans over there. And then why, why don't we go play some home games in Dubai, because... Why not? Or the US, where they all have big fan bases. Uh, that's my thing with it. Exactly. I, I can see a lot of these games going to basically the highest bidder for whoever wants to host them. Because, shock, it's literally all about money. <laughs> as we keep discussing, it's just solely about money. They already don't care about the fans. They don't care if Liverpool and Barcelona play a game in America. Uh, I don't know, 1am local time for the actual clubs. They don't care. It's just even more money for them. The timing of the press release being at heart, that all they announced of being at half yeah. 11 tells you exactly the type of market they were trying to get. Yeah. At. yeah. Tells you exactly. Yeah. They wanted to make sure they, they didn't have any interest in hitting the morning markets over here. They wanted to hit the morning market in the States. Yeah. There you Agreed. go. Um. Fans not being consulted. When I talked about stakeholders earlier, your most important stakeholders are your supporters' trust, and typically they get told a lot as well. Um, and they weren't told. And they're all um, all abhorrent. I advise you to go and read 
the supporters trust of um every one of the clubs involved because they will be the people who this plan actually affects and they will be the people who actually love this club and will be there beyond the billionaire custodians that are currently there um the one thing for me mike and i don't know about you um as in the middle of it all i've been terrified about the future of the club um simply because trying to think of how they survive if they get kicked out of the English league how they survive if they're yeah. not in Europe how they survive if they do any of these will I ever get to how will I watch them play a meaningful game again um how insulting is it to to even argue this and as such threaten the stability and history of those clubs yeah it's a joke isn't it it's ridiculous that they 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 think that Everyone's going to be interested. They'll make more money, which clearly they're they're talking about mind-boggling figures. But these clubs have been around for well over a hundred years. Most of them, they've got just so much history. Uh, most of them winning things. Sorry, Spurs. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, I mean to just to, to essentially yeah threaten it by just making up your own thing and maybe it will stick, maybe it won't. We might get kicked out of this, but we don't even know if people will be interested in this, really. They just think people will. It's uh, oh, it's ridiculous. It's, it's ridiculous. It... I will say that I, I, couldn't, I couldn't give a toss, really, if, if United fold and they don't get any more meaningful football after this because that's their own fucking fault for being twats. Hopefully it'll cost the Glazers some money. Uh, yeah, that'd be nice, yeah. wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. I was thinking, but from with me, the concern is is less. I think it's less for me now because just at just at the moment, I'm absolutely sick of them. It's more. It's more the. It's like there seems to have been an idea this morning doing the rounds on social media that if you're a fan of one of these clubs, you can just up stick and go and support a different club. Like yeah. if you're if you're a, if you're a if you're a, a Man United fan, you can go and support Leeds. If you're if you're an Arsenal fan, you can go and support Portsmouth or something like that. And I, I don't know about I don't know about the rest of you people in the clubs you support, but I've committed thousands of hours, and I've committed thou- uh, probably at this point in terms of the games I've been to, probably doing thousands of pounds to go and to watch Chelsea play football over the years, over the very long years. I've made lifelong friends from watching the watching Chelsea play over the years. And they are all things that I can't just throw down. I can't just go and support another club. I can't just go. I can't just go and say to myself, "I went to university in Leicester. I'm going to throw myself into Leicester now with the same passion of which I've lived my life with having a passion for Chelsea Football Club." That's not something I can do. I can't just go away from that. For me, it's a case of like, if you lose your club, you lose football. You walk mm-hmm. away. You walk away from football. So for me, when I, when I say, when I when I, when I say that I was worried about the club, I'm worried about the club, because I'm worried about all the things that come with it. And I, I know for a fact that you go through with something like this, you you curtail yourself to this level of greed. And I've accepted a level of greed of football for a while, but this is a level of greed I cannot accept. And this will be the end of this will be the end of football for me. I'll enjoy playing it, but I will not be following it anymore and i genuinely believe that there are tons of big six club fans of big six clubs who will if they don't follow me and walking away from the sport they will certainly walk away from their teams and that is something that they are going to have to 
that is something that no businessman at JP Morgan is going to be able to legislate for you because you think that you think that these new fans are going to come in and they're going to do they're going to live and breathe the club. Like you can't create a club out of marketing. It doesn't belong to you. You also can't create a club out of getting boosted TV viewers. No, nah. no, you can't. At the end of the day. Right. So it's um it's a mockery of football. The finances are disgusting. It's a slap in the face of fans. Um, so, are you surprised? Nope. <sighs> no. No, but yes, that they actually have like agreed to it. Basically, like I'm not shocked at the idea, but I'm shocked at the fact that it's like legitimised now. It's no longer something floating around in the press. It, it's something that's actually signed up for, proposed to go ahead. That's what shocked me, really. Yeah. Yesterday, I thought, oh, here we go again. It's, it's this again. It's popped up. They just want a bit more power in the Champions League or whatever. And then they, essentially, everyone doubled down today and went, no, we're, we are doing this. We're going to leave all our posts in UEFA and the, what was it, the ECA or whatever the heck mm-hmm. it's called. Yeah. Never yeah. heard of it before, but apparently it's important. Um, yeah, the fact they've doubled down on it and they actually seem intent on going through with it this time did surprise me. But the the fact that the idea was still there and they were still exploring it is not really a surprise because we know what these owners are like and they're delivering. <laughs> I was not shocked. Uh, I was I was I naively held out hope all day that there wouldn't be a statement and that it would all go away again. And then I saw the statement and it's sort of like your, your worst fears are realised. I was, and I give, I give Liverpool a lot of shit. I give Liverpool a lot of shit. I give it way more than it deserves because at its heart, Liverpool is a city of city of, I think probably wonderful people who ascribe to many of the ideals that I ascribe myself to. And, for all the shit I've given Liverpool Football Club over the years, for all the times I've called Steven Gerrard Slippy G or I've had a go at them, had a go at them for the ghost gold. I never believed that they would betray who they are like they've betrayed who they are. Yeah. Like you this like Bill Shankly's club. Bill Shankly's club did this. A man who was all about the collective. All about how that, has, that how you lived your life and how it had to apply to football too. Just a man of just severe principle, and they did this to him. They, they've used it as a marketing strategy as well. This yeah, thing. calling yeah, themselves the People's Club for more than a club or whatever. Ages. I'm, I'm sure Everton fans are going well. Exact. That's exactly what um, the red shite do. That's exactly what they do. They don't live what they preach. But I. I was as soon as I saw Liverpool, I was like, "Well, the whole you can't do that." The whole motto is "You'll never walk alone," and they've abandoned everyone that's ever cared about them. Really, it's it's crazy. I mean, I went to Union Liverpool. I know a lot of scousers, and and I know how important football is to people in Liverpool, whether they support Liverpool or Everton. But people literally live and breathe it like it's their life, and. Uh, yeah, like it's not just Liverpool. Any any fan of these teams, where you know football means a lot to some, a, a lot of people, and 
for some people it keeps them going almost and so basically have the club throw your time and your passion away it seems like as uh, i just can't believe it to be to be honest i really can't believe it closing thoughts fellas mike yeah i mean i'm shocked it's come to this i'm pretty frustrated and disappointed well, not not necessarily shocked that the Glazers and Ed Woodward and United were one of the front people for it. We've been we've not been doing well in Europe. This is a great way to to keep us in with the the European elite, make a bit more money. It's it's not a shocking decision, uh, and it's crap. It's as you will have realised from this whole episode how I feel about it. It's a it's a total disgrace. They're just money-grabbing, greedy, horrendous people who are just throwing away the history of 12 clubs to make more money. Uh, I don't like... We're not an American sport. Football originated in this country with promotion and relegation. We're taking that away and trying to become a closed shop. Just piss off. Get out. Get out of the game. This is, this is not football. Not the football that I fell in love with all those years ago. You take away competition, it's no longer sport, it's just content. Yeah, I agree. I think uh, some, I can't remember who it was earlier on today, and yeah. they, were, they were they were quoting, I think it was Bastia, said, it said, when plunder becomes a way of life for a group of men in society, over the course of time, they create themselves a legal system that authorises it and the moral code that glorifies it. And that to me is the Super League in a nutshell. It is a group of super rich businessmen getting richer while basically take (laughs) they want a bigger piece of the pie but eventually what they will come to understand is that you cannot leave so little for the rest of us without a reaction so there we are I don't think they care though they will care they will care they will care trust me um there's other stuff we could talk about but I don't know about the rest of you. I'm, I'm, I've, I've lost the will to live. <laughs> I've particularly lost the will to talk about this. By live, I mean live and do this at the moment. Um, well, we spent the whole day talking about it in group chats and watching the news updates about it, and then we've done a, a podcast about it. It's, it's not easy. It's been quite emotional, to be honest, for me. So, yeah. I think yeah. the one thing, the to one silver lining. See my club to chuck everything down the toilet. The one silver lining, Mike, was that they did this on a Sunday and a Monday, and not a Tuesday. Well, it is yeah, good news it meant we had some content. <laughs> yeah, because I obviously I sat there. I'm like, are we finally going to get it to talk about how good Tuchel's Chelsea are? Because <laughs> we've been putting it off, but no, we won't do that. Um, Dave, if the people want to follow you, where can they follow you? Uh, it's at Dave Harris underscore 44. Um, Mike, if the people want to follow you. Uh, I'm Mike on Twitter. You can follow me at Wilhelm17, but please don't. Please instead um, write a letter to your MP. Write a letter <laughs> to anyone you think is important. Tell your club, if you're a fan of one of these clubs, how abhorrent they are. Write to them. Complain. Fight. Rage against the dying of the light, I believe is the phrase. Um, because as we saw with Project Big Picture, when enough of us complain about something, when enough of us turn around and say we're not giving in to the greed, they cave because at the end of the day, what they understand more than anyone else is that 
a football club is the people involved in it. It is not the building. It is not the players. It is not the pitch. It is the people that surround it and love it. And if you leave, eventually, they will come crawling back. It's as simple as that. But um, we'll be back next week unless they've announced that we're pl- they're changing the type of ball that we're playing with to a like a diamond that was made in a a blood diamond that was made off the backs of child slave labour, which would not surprise me. Until then, goodbye.